the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester United will host West Ham Saturday at 10 a.m. in a clash between two clubs with their sights set on the top four. Meanwhile, Arsenal will look to bounce back from their exit from the semi-final stage of the Carabao Cup with a home game against struggling Burnley Sunday morning. And Liverpool will head down to London to face Crystal Palace at the same time. The marquee fixture this weekend will be a struggling Chelsea team looking to get back on track with a home date against Tottenham for the third time this January. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 341. Do you want to start out with that uh, Man United-West Ham game? It, it It is a tasty one. Well, a- a- Alex, Alex, first of all, I like the intro, but the part about Burnley facing struggling Burnley, they just lost Chris Wood, who was arguably their best player and their top goal scorer, uh, to Newcastle, who are in 19th place. Burnley are bottom right now. They haven't replaced Chris Wood. We didn't talk about this on the last podcast, but that's a huge player for them to be losing. It hasn't happened exactly, yet. Exactly. We didn't talk about it because it didn't happen. It happened but that like, the also, next day. Also, I'm struggling to see the part where Burnley aren't struggling. No, no, no. <laughs> I know Burnley I are, I think Burnley are like relegated. Like they're done. Like they're like, Sean Dyche can't save this unless they, they make some huge signing here, but who wants to come to that team right now? You know, do you, can you think of a player in world football right now who'd want to go to Burnley to, to turn their fortunes around? I mean, Chris Wood was the, the best thing they had going there and he went to their biggest rivals. Makes me think that Newcastle are probably not going to get relegated and, and Burnley are now. And, and I mean, there's only a, a few weeks, you know, a, a week and a half left in, in January. Like they really are going to have to get something done. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. got 10 days. You never know. They might. They might make. I, I would assume they'll make some kind of signing. They got twenty five million for a thirty one year old center forward. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing that they lost Chris Wood. I, I agree. They're 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 in a bad spot right now. But they've managed to pull off uh, weird results before. Like they they got a one one draw against Chelsea uh, back in I want to say October or November of last year. And you know, going down to Arsenal, I know they're probably they're probably going to lose, but you never know. They maybe uh, nick a draw against you guys, make a signing, and they get a bit of their confidence back. The people forget they haven't played in a while, right? They've they've had so many games uh, postponed that uh, I think they they'd lost in the FA Cup to Huddersfield, which is like another sh- like shot to their confidence. But obviously, that doesn't re- reflect their like on their re- league form at all. So. We'll talk about that one in a little bit because I do want to get to like an actually you know interesting competition first. Uh, Man United West Ham Saturday at ten a.m. Man United bounced back a little bit with that three-one uh, win at Brentford. They they didn't look great doing it in the first half, but they managed to get their shit together enough in the second half to be clinical enough to finish their chances. And uh, West Ham they've suffered losses recently, like to uh, to Leeds. I think in the in the Premier League recently, uh, that that will definitely hinder their chances at top four. But I think it sets up perfectly for like a pretty open game between two clubs that are both aspiring to those those yeah, top four positions. It's a huge game for West Ham. I mean, obviously, it's a huge game for United at home in front of their fans. Um, 
But like you said, I, I mean, it feels like United are probably going to make a signing this window. You know, they, they need midfield. Does it? Because I've heard nothing. They need midfield reinforcements, and there's players that need to leave. Yeah, but we've been saying that, and I, I literally don't even hear rumors about Man United. Yeah, but you you got to think that Radnick is taking his time, and and in January, generally, it takes for the last few days of the of the January transfer window for things to happen. It's just it, it, very rarely do things happen early on in the January transfer window. So I know that you haven't heard anything yet, but for Manchester United, this game specifically. Yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be open. I think there's going to be a lot of goals. United are going to try to press like Radnick's been trying to get them to do. And West Ham have been pretty press resistant. Their midfield of Suchek and Rice, it's really hard to press either of those guys off the ball. And their defenders all recycle the ball really well with each other, with the, the, the midfielders. And, you know, they're they're a team that can keep possession against, all, you know, any team that they play against right now. So... I kind of find through West Ham to to get at United here and get a couple of goals at Old Trafford. So I'm going to say 2-2 in this game, and I think it's going to be a, a, a fun, exciting game. And for West Ham, a draw would be a good, great result away at a rival, keep them below them, and uh, keep their momentum, you know, because they had, like you said, they had a bad result losing against Leeds, but it was kind of unlucky as well. Like they had a lot of chances in that, and it could have been a different result. They just came back a little bit too late. Like they, they, there's, they're still a resilient team, you know. They still came back in that le- against Leeds a couple of times there. So, you know, they, they, they could. I think they could still do something at Manchester United. I'm gonna stick with the the general rule that when West Ham beat a let's just say a bigger side, it's usually come at home. Like mainly that that Chelsea three two win and the uh, Liverpool win that they had earlier in the season. The, the crowd there really seems to galvanize the, the team uh, for those big matches. So going away, it's not that I don't think they can threaten Manchester United. It's, I mean, the, the United's home form hasn't been outstanding uh, this season either. But I think Manchester United just barely exit. 3-2, I'll say. Uh, the, the, the thing that got me, what got me thinking about uh, West Ham that, that could give them a bit of a boost was, obviously, we, we were talking before the pod about Arsenal flying back Thomas Partey from the African Cup of Nations after Ghana were knocked out. Algeria were just knocked out too, which means West Ham could realistically get Saeed Benrama uh, back into the team uh, by Saturday, presumably. I don't know how, what, what kind of like form he'll be on, but may, and maybe he's only fit enough to to come off the bench or something but he was playing pretty well before that uh, he had to go away with Algeria so they they definitely need that little boost of ingenuity and, and skill and technical ability in their lineup uh, so yeah, I'll stick with 3-2 well, Bo- Bowen and Lanzini have done pretty well in his absence the last couple of weeks especially Bowen Bowen's been fantastic yeah Bowen's Bowen's been their I mean, best player I don't player. know how much is going to shackle him I don't know what player is going to be able to deal with with Bowen right in that Manchester United team and I think if Paul Pogba starts because he's, he's come back finally into training did you say Luke Shaw shut up Alex yeah it was a, yeah, it was a joke obviously <laughs> also it looks like Pogba won't be back until the middle of February ah, okay. so he, he won't be there is a one thing going for Manchester United and that's that Bruno Fernandes got a brace in this last game Kind of looks to be back to his best. Brentford, Brentford. Danny. I know, 
but Bruno was the uh, the god in fantasy last year, even over Salah. So we know we need to put respect on his name. And if the, if the, if United if Radnick establishes the team as Bruno's team again and plays everything through Bruno instead of playing it through Ronaldo, United will become a force again. So I, I they did it in the last game. Ronaldo wasn't you know Ronaldo played, but he took him off. In the 70th minute, Ronaldo was like raging on the bench, but you could tell that the whole game, the focus wasn't on Cristiano Ronaldo. They, they, I think they were already up two nil then. Yeah, yeah, no, when he took him off. But I'm saying, the, the the a lot of the play happened through the wings and happened through pressing and through the players who were actually doing the pressing. Which I mean, Cristiano did some pressing, but it, you can tell that the the focus wasn't on him completely to through all of the play. And it it led to more goals, and it led to Bruno. I mean, I know the first goal was a howler, but it did it did lead to more chances. And I think Bruno, it was Bruno's team last year. He was taking all the penalties, all the free kicks. You know, all the play would go through him, and he would get all, most of the chances. If that can happen again, I think Manchester United can be really strong again if they get behind him. So I think that's what they're going to have to do if they. It's Radnick's way to 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 get. I mean, he's good enough to get them top four. I think if he if he gets anywhere, if he gets to the form that he was last season, but they'd have to find some sort of midfield support for him. I think. All right. So uh, you said two two for that game. I'm gonna stick with three two Manchester United. Uh, just gonna bounce back to uh, Friday afternoon to hit on a, a couple of games before that 10 a.m. game with uh, Manchester United and West Ham. Friday afternoon, 3 p.m., there'll be a relegation six-pointer, Watford hosting Norwich. It's hard to say with any confidence which of these two teams has the most realistic shot of avoiding relegation. Watford just managed a huge result say, at Newcastle, just getting a 1-1 draw. They, can, they have some offensive capabilities. I think Norwich are almost certainly going down as well. But this is a huge game, right? So if Norwich can get a result here, they could, they could put a little bit of distance between Newcastle themselves and Newcastle. I think they're they're in 18th right now. Yeah, they are. They uh because of that last win they got against Everton in the last fixture, which was a huge win for them despite Richarlison's beautiful bicycle kick. Yeah, and they're one point off of Watford in 17th, so they could jump Watford and leap out of the relegation zone. It's uh it it, it just feels hard to really back into these teams. Honestly, it should be a really fun open game. The, the, before yeah. that last result, they were losing all of their games before the last result for this each. This game is actually a huge so game. So it, it's hard to take. It's actually a huge game. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up. It's a, a relegation six-pointer, like I said. Uh, do you want to give a pick yeah, I'll for say, it? Because, I'll say Watford um, 3-1. Okay, I'll say 2-2. Two, two. Norwich are finally starting to realize that uh, the young generation of Irish players at their disposal are are the way forward. Adam Ida finally got his first Premier League goal after about like 50 <laughs> games playing in the Premier League and when he scored against Everton last week. And then they have uh, Obama Dele, the, uh, the uh, center back. So excited to see those players get a, a bit more chance. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, again, I can't confidently say it because before the, this last game for both these teams, they were both on like five or six game losing streaks, like with not, not even a point between the two of them for weeks on end before uh, the last round of fixtures. But I mean, this game should provide fireworks. The six pointers usually do. Uh, then Saturday morning, Everton will host Aston Villa at 7.30 a.m. Villa are fresh off a dramatic 
come back from 2-0 down at home against Manchester United last weekend. Uh, Felipe Coutinho came on. Yeah, wow. That was I was not expecting set up, that. Set up the first and scored the equalizer. <laughs> I know I you were. I told you. He's the uh, focal point. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> he's yeah. back. And I mean, he's only 29 years old. It's not like he's in his mid 30s, like looking for a paycheck. He's still very much like in the physical prime of his career. Well, we'll see if he can stay fit. We'll see if he's, you know, it was a it was a dream debut for him for for Aston Villa, and they, I think they have like a forty million buy on clause. And if if that happens, you know, I'm sure if he takes on it, it'd be worth it for them to get someone like him. Like you said, they've been crying for someone who had that creative spark like Grealish, and as soon as he came on, I mean, he just sucked the ball up, and and everything was able to kind of go through him like they did Jack Grealish last season. So. So this Everton game is like, uh, it should be an easy win for them. Everton, we should mention, have just fired Rafa Benitez after that loss uh, against Norwich. That was it's basically unforgivable if you uh, if you lose to Norwich in the Premier League uh, nowadays. So Rafa's gone. Looks like Big Dunk, Duncan Ferguson, will take over until the end of the season. He had a two or three game stint as the interim manager a couple of years ago in between them having Marco Silva and Carlo Ancelotti, and he did well in those games. I think he beat Chelsea and Arsenal, both our teams, during that span. So I, I don't expect him to have that big of a of a, a boost for Everton right out the out of the, out of the blocks. Honestly, Coutinho used to always feast on Everton during those Merseyside derby games. He'd always seem to score, set up a couple of goals every time he played them. So uh, I expect another big game, except. From the start, for, well, the for other the other player that we were not mentioning is Lucas Digne, who played like seventy five minutes for Villa, <sighs> yeah, and he was his old he team. was unbelievable, just blistering down that wing and you know shoot firing crosses in and yeah, I mean he both of them really had dream debuts and he's going to be playing yeah, his old, so his old team. He's going to be fiery. The team he just signed I from a Villa's week or so ago. Get the win here. The most heartbreaking thing about that signing, Dinier going to uh, Villa, is that in his like goodbye message to Everton fans, he basically just said that I'm leaving because of Rafa, because Rafa won't give me a chance and hates me. And then like a week later after Dinier left, they fire Rafa. So if I was an Everton fan, I'd be very upset by that decision. It's uh, and it, it could come back to haunt them as soon as you know a week or two later. You gonna be waking up for that one, or are you just gonna sleep in and wait for the result? I think I might we'll wait, wake up for I it. I don't know. I'm usually Feels good an enough early for riser. Me. <laughs> uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, also during that Manchester United West Ham time slot, there will be Brentford hosting Wolves and Leeds hosting Newcastle. That's dare I say relegation six pointer. Leeds Leeds seem to have gotten their act together enough that they've built a gap between themselves and the the bottom four teams but Newcastle need to win I still think it's a relegation six-pointer it's a long season and Leeds need to get to 40 points to be safe so they're not they're not there yet they have to they have to win their you know uh still a bunch of games so now to the end of the season so I I still think it's a regulation six-pointer but I think it's a it's a big chance for Newcastle because this is going to be one of the few teams where they got to feel like they can go in there and maybe get a win I don't know. Leads leads away is it would be really tough for them. I know they've got like Chris Wood in. Kieran Trippier didn't look too impressive I mean, in, in that game. I think he the, played. the idea is probably Trippier crossing into Wood. You know, if they get players who can who right. can fire fizz balls into Chris Wood, feed him. They've also been playing Joe Ellington, so two big strikers who can get headers on the ball, and you know, even Callum Wilson in there get a poacher. So. Uh, I, 
Well, but Wilson's out for a few more weeks uh, with, with an injury. No surprise. But Alexa Maximan, he scored a, a nice goal against Wolves or Watford, I guess, uh, the, the last game before they conceded that equalizer late on to Zhao Pedro. But, you know, they could really use not only Trippier and his crossing for Wood, but uh, San Maximan just, you know, coming back to life and uh, being more of a force on the ball. Uh, even even if he's shooting more and and getting into the opponent's box and not directly linking up with Chris Wood, Chris Wood is an experienced enough player that he can sort of feed off the scraps of maybe a, like a deflected shot or uh, a rebound or yeah, something. I mean, I think Sam Maximon's good enough to get like a goal and an assist in this game. So he he's a player like a star player right now for Newcastle. And I don't know. I kind of have a feeling Newcastle get a result here. So I'm going to say two, three, two, Newcastle. Damn, okay. I'll, I'll just go 1-1. One, one. I just think it's a, a another draw. And I'm going to say that, that Brentford, Brentford Wolves game, nil-nil. Don't watch it. How brave. I don't know. Brentford are pretty trash defensively right now. That has, got, that has a Wolves win written all over it. I mean, they're, they're, they're in desperation mode at the moment. With uh, They brought in Jonas Losel, who played in that United game. Conceded three. But he wasn't good years ago, even with Huddersfield. Yeah, but Brentford so. good at home. Nil-nil. All right. Uh, the Saturday games will be wrapped up with a South Coast fixture between Southampton and Manchester City at 12.30 p.m. Southampton managed, I think, a 1-1 draw at uh, the Etihad much, much earlier in the season. Uh, don't really have any aspirations. I don't personally think this will be much of a for a problem for Manchester City. Yeah, maybe they've got some issues no, on the counter, and but even if it was, no one cares because they won exactly. the title. So it's yeah. fine. Did you do you have any thoughts on that uh Man City Chelsea game from last week? We we talked about it on the IG Live on the Ghost Goal pod IG Live last week with uh my brother Hugo and uh a Manchester City fan, Michael Pope, if you guys want to go check that out on Instagram at Ghost Goal Pod. Had like a good twenty 15 to 20 minute conversation about that one basically saying a lot a lot of the same thing that you know Manchester City have wrapped up the league now with that win over Chelsea last weekend uh but was there anything from them in that game that uh, you wanted to talk about just that you know I thought they they controlled Chelsea pretty well I mean Chelsea had that one Lukaku chance that he probably should have scored but you know Manchester City did what you know meant Chelsea Chelsea are the champions of Europe you know reigning champions of Europe and they kept them to basically one chance which is extremely impressive on its own defensively the fact that they're that good defensively while still being able to create a few chances versus you guys I don't know they didn't create a bunch of chances but yeah Manchester City are an, are an insane team and domestically they're going to be this good for a long time with the players they have there so it's a scary, scary thing playing against this Manchester City team. It feels like this is going to be the same thing for a long time. Even after Pep Guardiola is gone. Well, let's hope not. Arsenal are going to host Burnley Sunday at 9 a.m. We already mentioned that uh, briefly at the beginning. You guys crashed out of the Carabao Cup at the semifinal stage earlier today with a 2-0 home loss to Liverpool. Do you think that affects your confidence in the performance uh, on Sunday morning against, obviously, a much worse team, a team that's looking like they're probably going to be relegated? Maybe a little bit. Maybe the players are a little bit more timid. Um, but we will be at home again in front of our fans, and Burnley are not Manchester City or Liverpool. So I think the players will have 
a lot more time on the ball, which when that's been done this season so far, with the young kids, with Saka, with Martinelli, being able to run at back lines, even if they're in a low block, they've been able to break those low blocks down. And, you know, Smith Rowe as well, with late runs into the box, shots from the top of the box, he's been scoring a lot of goals like that. And as long as I think Burnley are going to sit in a very, very low block and try to defend as much as they can and, and get set pieces, and they're going to give us mostly the possession. It's going to be a very different game. I think Sambi, even if he's in midfield, you know, Thomas got sent off in that 2-0 loss to Liverpool, two yellow cards, so he'll be he, he'll be out for one game. I don't think Xhaka will be back for this. He might. No, because you guys... Uh you know, went and got your, your North London Derby game with Tottenham right. postponed, so but, he didn't serve yeah, the suspension so, uh, yet. I don't know who we're going to play in midfield. It'll be interesting. It might be Ben White in midfield. Sambi, Lukonga, and and Vibes. That'll that'll be it. Uh, I mean... I don't think it'll matter, but but I, I, I think it's still going to be like a close game and tight game, and, and I think it's going to be harder to break them down than we're like used yeah. to, and I don't think we're going to get many chances. And I think we're going to have to be clinical. I think there's a chance that with there's a, like a nil nil draw, like the, there is a chance that that happens, but I'm gonna say Arsenal sneak a one nil win, at home to Burnley, but I don't think it's gonna be easy, and I think it's like Burnley are just gonna sit back, defend really well. They have a good keeper, they have good defenders, and we're not gonna find it as easy to yeah, break. Yeah, since them you down. went one nil, since you went one nil, I'll go two nil Arsenal over Burnley. Uh, the, the players that are at least on paper, supposed to be back from COVID this weekend for Burnley are uh, Johan Berg Goodmanson, Nathan Collins, the center back, Dwight McNeil, the young winger, Eric Peters, and uh, Matej Shvizhra, the uh, striker. So they're very shorthanded, and what do you know? They're still going to play their game. It's crazy. Crazy how that happens. They actually want to play games. It's a novel idea, but, you know, good on Burnley for actually going through with it. They only have 17 games played, Alex, this season. Uh, they've had the yeah, most I games know. canceled, so yeah, they probably should play games because they're going to have to play double game weeks for multiple weeks in a row for further on in the season. I think one of those games was back in December. They had the Arsenal home game postponed, so this is going to be the first time you guys play them. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Like you said, I, I, I did want to mention, actually, the reason I, I personally think it, it might be a little tighter than you know the the table may may show is that the amount of work ef- work ethic that your players specifically like Martinelli put in tonight in in that Liverpool game I know that I know you guys were you know as a contest you were far off it and didn't really get close to Liverpool but there were some like there were still some like mammoth efforts by players like Martinelli Martinelli was working his ass off to try and win the ball high up and I'm just thinking, like, if you guys play a similar lineup, which I would anticipate you did because it was a pretty strong lineup, you could see some pretty leggy players out there. And I'm not blaming them for that. Well, it's just how it's going to be a very different game because we're going to have the ball 75% of the time. So they're not going to have to do nearly as much running if since we have the ball. So I don't think it's going to be the same type of game. Yeah, but there there is still there is still a fatigue that builds up, and it's still hard work to break down a low block team, and it's frustrating. It really it can really get to you, especially for a young team, which Arsenal are. I, again, I'm sticking to two nil, but it, it might not be one nil until late, and then when Burnley open themselves up to try and get the equalizer, you guys nick the the second. Then 
but that that 9 a.m. time slot on Sunday morning is pretty tasty. That that Arsenal Burnley game is going to be the one shown on TV, and then if you have Peacock, you can view Crystal Palace versus Liverpool or hosting Liverpool Sunday at 9 a.m. Liverpool seem to be doing fine without Salah and Mane. Jota had a, a, a nice performance today, scoring uh, twice against you guys. Uh, they're trying out youngsters like Cade Gordon in the front line. Don't think that will continue into this one, but. You know, Minamino, Jota, and Firmino, Firmino seem to have uh, enough work work rate between the three of them that you'd probably think they can get a result here at Palace, despite Palace being a pretty good side themselves. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think they keep a clean sheet because Crystal Palace have been pretty good at home so far this season. You know, for the most part, not really been keeping clean sheets at all. Um, I think they still have no clean sheets this season. So I anticipate there's going to be goals in this game. Uh, that's not true. As someone who's had uh, Tyreek Mitchell in my team, Crystal Palace definitely have had clean sheets this season. I can't remember which which games, but they're a team that's like underratedly affected by African Cup of Nations because they obviously don't have Zaha, they don't have Kuyate, they don't have Jordan Ayew. Uh, they they've kind of been treading water since those players left. Oh wait, they got their they got their first. Uh clean sheet against Norwich at the end of December 3-0 that was their first clean sheet this season so they've nice. had a one damn <laughs> okay yeah but I'm just saying that if they had a few of those players that were away for the African Cup of Nations I could maybe see them pulling off an upset here but I think I think they score here I think they they give Liverpool problems you know they have a lot of good attacking players you know Mikel Elise Elise Eze. and Eze well Eze's yeah. back from his injury you know, them along with Conor Gallagher is, you know, that's a ton of young English talent that uh, is still creating plenty of chances for, for players like Benteke and yeah, Mateta. Mateta. Is that the other Ocean striker Edward. they have? So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of attacking oh, Edward. players I forget him. that we can, will be on display. So I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. I'll say 3-1 Liverpool. That Jota performance today against you guys, I know overall in the game he wasn't like super influential on just over the course of 90 minutes. But he seems to be the closest thing they have to a Salah-type weapon. He has the sort of direct runs that Salah will make. And he'll just, you know, give defenders a nightmare with his runs in behind. So I'll say uh, 3-1 Liverpool, but a a valiant fight by uh, Palace. Uh, Also at 9 a.m., Leicester will host Brighton. Two mid-table teams that, uh, well... Brighton are, you know, fresh off of two draws in about three weeks against Chelsea, including that 1-1 draw at the Amex Stadium on Tuesday. So they've got to be thinking pretty highly of themselves. And uh, Leicester are fresh off of a very embarrassing capitulation to Tottenham. So I'm not sure what that mixes into, but it's certainly a cocktail that I can get behind. It's two teams that uh, one may think a little bit more highly of themselves than usual, and the other will be reeling from an embarrassment uh, uh, just a couple days ago. So they'll both be desperate to get a win. And I can personally say, like, Brighton Brighton have been playing well. I mean, I've watched maybe, like, one or two games, like the Crystal Palace game last week. They drew 1-1. That game, other than the the, the two Chelsea games uh, in the last month. And all of those games, they've played very, very well. They get on the ball... They 
sometimes the the possession stats especially in the two chelsea games they kind of don't really reflect how you feel when you're watching like maybe maybe fatigue's a part of it with chelsea who we'll get to soon enough but brighton were able in both both premier league games to keep the ball circulate possession and strike with direct incisive passes uh to break chelsea's lines multiple times during both those games so they've certainly got it in them to go to Leicester and then, you know, keep them down and, you know, beat them. Yeah, they're right but, next to each other on the table. It should be should be a fun – I mean, I don't think either team – I think Brighton will fancy their chances, like you just said. I think they'll keep possession against Leicester, and Leicester's midfield's been very naive recently. I mean, that, that capitulation against Spurs has got to be weighing heavily on all their minds right now. You know, what what the fuck was Thielman's doing right after they conceded a goal? He does like a shimmy pass to Spurs player and then passes the ball straight to Hoiberg, who, you know, pings a ball to Kane's feet, who plays a through ball in for, for Burwine, who I don't know how he won that foot race, but yeah, it's just a catastrophe of errors from Leicester and defending. They've defensively, Leicester are atrocious right now. They looked better with Ndidi and Amarte, both of whom are away at the. African Cup of Nations right now. They look better with those two playing a center back in that Liverpool game they won back in December than they do with their regular first choice center backs like Soyang Shu and Vestergaard. I think Brighton get a result here. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one. I'll say two two because as embarrassing as that was for Leicester, that should sort of incite a response. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Brendan Rodgers is is feeling the pressure at this point. Like even with the injuries and with Af- African Cup of Nations taking away yeah, players, tenth place, he, he better be feeling pressure yeah. right now. Moving on to the final game of the weekend before we head into a little mini international break, and then the Premier League's weak version of a winter break right after will be Chelsea hosting Tottenham for the third time this month alone. The two teams played each other, obviously in the Carabao Cup semi final. Chelsea won both of those games, uh, 2-0 in the first leg and 1-0 in the second leg. And now Tottenham will come back with the wind under their feet after after that aforementioned 3-2 comeback win against Leicester. But I tell you, Javier, this one seems like it should be an easy three points for Chelsea. Am I wrong? Obviously, Conte is a factor. But just the way we handled Wait, them not at three like point a week ago... Yeah, we're at three-point bridge. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not the same thing, though. They, they've they sometimes given you guys trouble at Stanford Bridge. Okay, so they got a draw against Frank Lampard's Chelsea in t- the winter of 2020. That was the last time they played us there in the league. And it was nil-nil. They didn't create any chances. Since Tuchel's been in, we've beaten them in every single game, and they haven't scored against us. Yeah, but Conte hasn't lost yet in the league. You don't think this is uh well it's time crazy Javier. momentum. It it's about time. Do they have crazy momentum? Leicester, really? They they have belief. I'll give you that. They they I'm I'm somewhat intimidated by the belief that that crazy yeah, result. They have the Antonio will belief. give them. The work. Look yeah. at the work of the work. Was the work because of the work? Look at the work. It is working with work. <laughs> Our work is working. <laughs> No, and I, then I they're think, all like, wow, the work is working. Let's work harder for so, him. 
So we have the added wrinkle recently. I know our, our league form is not great. We have something like one win in the last like seven games and then a loss to Manchester City and then all other draws. So that I can see why people would be not so high on us for. But we've we've been winning cup games outside of that. Yeah, the last time you won in the league was uh, f- was five games ago against Aston Villa. Yeah, in late December, but that's because we've had... What do you call it? Uh, a bunch of League Cup and and an FA Cup game sprinkled in there. So, and those two League Cup games were against Tottenham. And let it be said, Tottenham maybe rotated a little bit, like took out Sergio Regulon for those games and played Doherty there. So that's one area that they'll they'll improve on. But other than that, and like Eric Dyer, maybe that was a pretty strong Tottenham team. Both of those League Cup semifinals, and they they couldn't get near us. We were playing, we were playing like a makeshift four-two-four in the first leg, and just continued with it into the second no, leg. I playing think Malang I'm just at left you, back. Alex. I think Chelsea Chelsea get a pretty easy win here too. Because I don't know about easy. I think it could it should still be a contest. Home, Tottenham did to get sneak that one-one draw against Southampton, where they probably should have lost that game, and then just barely beat Watford one-nil away from home with a late goal, which again they didn't deserve to win that game at best a draw, you know, that was a 96-minute winner. So I think away from home, they haven't been spectacular. They've gotten pretty lucky. They've been they've been good at home. E- even this last game against Leicester, they shouldn't have drawn or even definitely not won it. Like, all that was ridiculous. Terrible play from Leicester. They were winning up to the well, 94th minute and then threw that so game So the one, the, one, the one thing you have to give Tottenham is that they were – Based on the the chances created throughout that game, they were worth the win. The first half, I think they, I think they broke a record for like most expected goals. I know that's a a dubious stat, but they basically just means they created a bunch of chances and you know didn't finish them. And you know eventually they got their shooting boots on late and and got the win that way. But uh, Chelsea, dare I say, are not oh, wow. Leicester. Yeah, they had twenty-seven shots, ten on target. Yeah, yeah, they had. There were two goal line clearances by Leicester players in the first half to to keep Kane from scoring in the first half. So, you know, they were they're creating chances, but again, that Leicester team's defense is just a bit all over the place at the moment. For Chelsea, I I would kind of want to see us switch back to that four-two-four I just mentioned that we played against them in the. In the Carabao Cup, especially the first leg, it was a really interesting mix of uh, Lukaku and Kai Havertz as the front two, with Mount and I can't remember if it was Ziyech or Pulisic, but th- those were the two. Wi- uh, those were two of the wide players, and then I think it was Saul and Jorginho in play who played in midfield in that game, and then Malang Sar at, at left back. I'm not saying that should be the exact same team, but we have more players available now that we can play Conte and Kovacic in in a midfield two of a 4-2-4 and just run things in midfield. So that's what I'm expecting from Chelsea. There needs to be a bounce back win because all these draws, especially against teams like Brighton, all credit to them, but that should Chelsea should expect to win that that away game. This needs to be a bounce back win. So I'm I'm saying two one. Preferably like three one. I, I I want like yeah, a three one at least. I also think if least. you start Ingolo and Kovacic, it's going to be a pretty easy win. You know, I, I don't think Tottenham will be able to create nearly as many chances. They yeah, won't have the again, ball. They'll, Harry Kane will. What's have to easy for us right now? 
Nothing is think, easy. No, I think without Hyungmin Son in the team, I know that Burwine did really well in this last game, but he's going to find it a lot harder against Chelsea. And, you know, I have yet to see Burwine do more than one good game a season. You know, so far he's had one good game. All right, let's see you do it more than that. Because before he did it against Manchester City one game, and then he never appeared again. So we need to see more consistency from him. We need to see the same thing from Lucas. I mean, right now they don't have Human Son. Harry Kane's kind of firing, but not scoring nearly as much as he would like either. So until I see that consistency scoring-wise from Tottenham, then I'm not going to believe in them to, to get results against big teams. So I know they got the 2-2 draw against Liverpool, but that was at home. And I'm going to say... Yeah, that was also like back in or mid-December. Yeah, I'm going to say Chelsea win here 2-0. No, 2-1. 2-1, Chelsea, as well. I like your... I'll be more optimistic and switch from 2-1 to 3-1. If Tuchel has the balls and the sense to to go with the the four at the back, you know, especially since we, we, we don't have our two best wingback options, we need to make up for it in other ways. Adding that extra attacker is is one way out of it. And we, we certainly have the attacking players to, you know, add in an extra one. And uh, with... Ingolo and Kovacic healthy, they can both shield the the back four to help you know keep the defensive performances up. It's just a matter of finding the right partner for Romelu Lukaku and getting Lukaku back on the score sheet. He he desperately needs a goal, like really desperately, because the only one he's managed since that all that like hullabaloo with the uh, the in- interview that he had was against Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Like we're barely counting that one. It was like a tap in also to make it three nil. So we need a big time Romelu Lukaku goal against Tottenham, get the crowd roaring, and hopefully win three one. Uh, I will say though that that Kane Bergwijn Mora front three, if they play it, that'll that'll get my attention. Like those are two players in Mora and Bergwijn that are much more direct than someone like Loselso or you know in Dombele who's who's not been very good. And th- those are two players that can kind of mimic what Son does for the team much better than some of the other options they have. So uh, they're certainly... It's not hopeless for Tottenham. Uh, it was, it's never hopeless with Antonio Conte at the helm. All right, well, that should wrap things up for this week on the Ghost Goal podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Javier, thank you for uh, jumping on this late in the evening uh, with me. If you want to follow Javier on social media, you can follow him on Twitter at javierev 9 you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ASMOS92. You can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Please do go ahead and follow the podcast social, especially the Instagram. Uh, we're going to try and do uh, a few more of those uh, IG live videos. You know, you don't even have to jump onto them live at the time at uh, full time of, of the big game of the weekend. We'll have that posted up on the Instagram uh, account afterwards for you guys to go ahead and view. Enjoy the games this weekend, and until next time, see ya.